finding, what do we find when we find Jesus? I want to talk about that. But let's go back and look at our primary verse in Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Have you ever noticed how declarative uh, the Lord is? How He's right to the point. There, there's, there's no real uh, uh, ambiguity with God. You will find me when you seek me. It's an affirmative. It's a declarative statement. It's an exclamation point. And as we seek after him, even as we walk with him, continuing to seek after him, showing us and telling us what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live. And every day offers new opportunities for that to happen in our life. He shows us specifically what to do. Sometimes the most powerful things he shows you to do seem to be the most, to your mind, insignificant. But there's nothing insignificant with the Lord. Everything matters to God. We talked about the shepherds and how they were seeking baby Jesus in a manger, but instead, who'd they find? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You never know what is embodied within a person that you may have a chance to encourage or to minister to in some way and how that uh, empowers that life within them to do something more Radiant and more glorious with their life. You just never know. Here was a baby, but inside was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Mary was seeking to obey the message of the angels, but in the end, she gave birth to the very Word of God. She had heard the Word and said, Yes, Lord, be it to me as you have said. But then she birthed the Word that created everything. And that's both life-giving salvation to the whole world. She heard a word, but she birthed the word that did greater things than she could ever imagine. The wise men seeking to follow the star that led them to Jesus. But in the end, they found Jesus, the light of the world. The star was really that which lit up the whole world. What's the point here? You always find something more When you seek after Jesus, you don't know everything he has for you in 2023. Unless you seek him, you'll never find that out. But if you seek him, I'll guarantee you it will be greater than what you could even imagine. He says he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Aren't you glad we serve a God like that? He's not a God who diminishes. He's a God who continues to enlarge and express himself in greater and greater ways. So what do you get when you find Jesus? You find the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Well, there's many ways we could talk about it, and I won't take time to talk about all those. But it's the totality of the expression of not only the power of God, but the mercy of God. Not only the gifts of God, but the fruit of God. It's the fullness of God that comes to you and me. Hallelujah. He doesn't just trickle little droplets of himself into your life. He comes with rivers. Say rivers. 
plural. Rivers of life-giving water, the Bible says. The kingdom of God is really the power and the authority of God being displayed in and through your life. And that power of God has many expressions, and I want to talk about just a few of them today. And it's not so much what we would think in the explosive dunamis, great overwhelming outbreaks of strength, might, and power, though he does that, thank God. But sometimes the most powerful things are the little subtle touches of the Lord. A simple word that he drops into our heart. A simple act of kindness that we offer to somebody else can become an explosive, transforming thing in a person's life. What is God trying to say to us in this moment? He wants us to get engaged with him this year in anything and everything and don't predetermine how and what he wants to do. Just say, Lord, here I am today. Use me. And then just be used of him in whatever way he gives you that opportunity. We do see the kingdom of God every time Jesus healed a person, drove out demons, every time he raised the dead, every time he performed a miracle of some sort. The kingdom of God has come to you, he would say. This is the kingdom of God. It's the power and the authority of God that can make a difference in your life. But every time he transformed an individual's life in some way was an expression of the kingdom of God too. Maybe it wasn't miraculous. Maybe he didn't open a blind eye or, or heal a crippled leg. But he just put his love in their heart so that they now loved instead of having hatred toward others. Maybe he put joy in their soul instead of having depression and discouragement like a dark cloud hanging over their life. Changing a life from weakness to strength, from sorrow to joy, from bondage to freedom. All of that is the kingdom of God. So he wants us in 2023 to throw off the restraints and the restrictions that we in our own natural limited mind have put on him. And to throw everything open to what he can do in whatever way he wants to do it for a greater expression of his presence in and through our life. You know what that makes 2023? It makes it a glorious journey, a walk with God into a glorious future. (laughs) Glory to God. His ultimate purpose in coming wasn't just to put the power of God, the kingdom of God, the authority of God on display. But his ultimate purpose was to take that kingdom power and authority and put it in you and me. To put it inside the believer's heart. Yeah, he spoke to it in John 14, 12. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my father. One time the... Uh, disciples, the followers of the Lord, ask him, what must we do that we might work the works of God? He said, here is the work of God. Believe in him who the Father has sent. 
You do the works of God by simply believing in Jesus. Now, what does that mean? A few years ago, a number of years ago now, I encountered the Lord in early prayer time right over here in this part of the worship center. And I said, why don't we see more of your power? Why don't we see more miracles? Why don't we see more of this demonstration of this dunamis, this power and authority of God? He said, you don't believe because you don't believe. And I said, well, I know I believe in you, Jesus. He said, no, 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 no. You don't believe that I'm in you and I can do it through you. You know what limits most people from being used of God in some, whether it's a dynamic way or in some simple transforming way? We think we have to feel something. We think we have to be anointed to a certain level. We think we have to be holy enough and good enough. That's not true at all. Because it's not you and me. Anyway, it's the power of God in us. It's him who works through us. He just needs somebody who will stretch forth a hand and touch the sick that he can heal them. Somebody who will speak a word that he can encourage and deliver somebody. Just somebody that he can work through. Will you be a candidate in 2023 for God to do something through? Not because you're super anointed, because it has nothing to do with you. That's the point he was driving into my thick head. <laughs> it's me in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, working through you. That's why I put my spirit in you. Yeah. So I had to repent and say, okay, God, I'm going to start praying for more people. I'm going to start telling more people. I'm going to start doing whatever. And trust that you're going to do it. And I have seen it many, many times. Him do things that I knew I didn't do. But I'm nobody special. I'm just like you. A person of flesh and bone. But I have a life in me. That wants to be released. To make a difference in the world. So we do the works of Jesus as we believe in him. Not we believe in ourselves. As we believe in him to do something through us. We just become a conduit for his works. He goes on to say in John 16, 7, I'm going to do what is best for you. That's why I'm going away. The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave. But after I'm gone, I will send the Spirit to you. So we do the works by believing in Christ. And we do the works by the help of the Holy Spirit who he gives us to work through us. It's not me doing it. It's his spirit. It's not you doing it. It's his spirit. He helps us. All we have to do is in the name of Jesus do something and that releases the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. Because the name of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus are the same. He's in his name. He's in his word. And then he goes on to say, in Acts 1.8, you'll receive this power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the power of God working through us as we believe in Jesus and trust the Holy Spirit to work through us is the witness he's called us to give in the earth. Think about that. You're to witness for Jesus. Doesn't mean you stand behind a pulpit and preach a message. Doesn't mean you memorize scriptures. Doesn't mean you jump through a bunch of hoops to be qualified to do something. 
You're just believing in Jesus and know the Holy Spirit's in you and with you, helping you. And when you have opportunity, you step into the situation and you do something, whatever is needed. And his power is released to bring glory and honor to his name. That's the witness he wants. Not that we're honored and glorified, but that he is honored and glorified. Do I have a hearty amen on that? Thank you, Jim. So how do we know we're in the kingdom of God? What's the evidence that we have received this kingdom power and authority of Jesus Christ? Well, number one, our ears will be open to hear the cries of people. And our eyes will be open to see their need. The difference between the heart of man and the heart of God is very significant. The heart of man is totally consumed with self-centeredness, with me, with self. Have you ever noticed how much in our world is totally geared to flattering our flesh? I won't get into all the, the platforms and media that is all tied to me, Facebook, Snap. Chat. Have you ever noticed how many pictures people take of themselves all the time and post it? Look at me today. Do you know that's the spirit of the world that they're functioning in? I'm not to say you don't take a picture every once in a while, but I'll regurgitate every time I look at somebody just because they got a, oh, look at my new hairdo today. Well, bless you. What about the person whose hair's matted? on the side of the road somewhere. Uh, just, I just get, I'm getting like <laughs> Lot in Sodom. I'm becoming vexed by the sins of our culture. It's, I can't even hardly, well, I won't go there. I don't want to get on that. I'm not going to vent to you. It's becoming deplorable. We've heard that word before, haven't we? But I'm not talking about to downgrade people, I'm talking about the spirit of our age that is so consumed with self, promoting self, getting what I want. Me, 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 me. But the heart of God takes that out and puts the spirit of Christ in you, and now you're motivated by compassion for people, not just yourself. Others have more importance to you now when you have the kingdom of God working in and through you. We see an example of it here in Acts 3. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in 3 o'clock prayer service. Now, this was after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on 120 in the upper room. They began to speak in other languages they didn't know and manifest God and people from all nations that were in Jerusalem for Passover. They heard them proclaiming Jesus in their own language, these men and women who had never been to linguistic school. They didn't learn these languages. They're just speaking what the Spirit was bringing through them. And other people heard in their own dialect them glorifying Jesus. And now they're going up to the temple as a faithful Jew to pray at the hour of prayer. It says, as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the gate called Beautiful. So he could beg, beg from the people going into the temple. 
When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he, he asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And then Peter took him by the hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankle bones gained strength and was instantly healed. He jumped up, stood on his feet, began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. Now, what's significant about this? These were faithful Jews. As a Jew, you prayed three times a day. Wherever you were, you stopped and you prayed. If you were in Jerusalem, you went up to the temple to pray. They had been through this gate many times. They had seen that man. That man had been there many years. And until this moment, they never looked at him. They never listened to him. They never responded to him. They just went on. But now something was different. They heard him cry. They looked and saw his need. And he needed more than silver and gold. He needed a touch of the kingdom power, the love and mercy of God upon his life. What was different? They now had the heart of God, the spirit of Christ in them. They weren't motivated motivated by self-interest. They were motivated by the love of God. How many people do we pass every day that if we just stopped and listened and looked, maybe God has a commission for us to do something, to be a witness in some way, to help them, to encourage them, to minister to them. That's really why the church is still in this earth. We're not here to meet in buildings on a Sunday morning and to go through forms of worship. We're here to be a living expression of Jesus Christ to those round about us every moment of every day. Can you remember the last time you purposely stopped and took time to help somebody in need? Many of you have done that. Many of you did that over the holiday. Yes, you did. And we have done it through new life. Yeah. Every time you help Grace United Urban Ministries, some of you spend an extended period of time in a shelter helping people over the holidays. What was that? That's extending the kingdom of God to those that need to know their Significant, they're valued, they're loved. Most of the time, they're kicked to the side of the road. The world doesn't want to look at them because we feel guilty or, uh, you know, we just don't want to contend with their plight. So we, out of sight, out of mind, hide them away. They hide out in the bushes and tents. But there's ministries like gum who seek them out and find them. And they not only brought them to shelters, they're finding them extended places to live, to be discipled. To be helped. To be encouraged. I think we ought to give Wayne and Donna Hines and Gum a hand today. But when you helped in whatever way, whether it's down here feeding those that came here to eat or putting together those bags that they took to the streets to hand to the people, whatever way 
you were involved. You were the expression of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was working through you to make a difference in someone's life. But you had to purposely take time for that. You had to give of yourself for that. You had to express the heart of God that he put in you to accomplish that. I think of Sean and Nina and Royal Identity Ministries doing a lot of the same things. Many of you give to help them. Some give financially each month. Some give in supplies that they need. Every time you do something like that, you are an extension of Jesus. The kingdom of God is working through you to make a difference in someone's life. That's why you're here. That's why you exist today. Not for religious purposes, but for the expression of the heart of God touching someone. And you know, people can walk in and out of buildings like this every week and never be touched by someone. Nobody gives them time. Nobody gives them attention. We're caught up here in our little cliques or we're caught up here in our own self-interest. God, forgive us. Help us, Lord. Sun Grace Music Ministries. By the way, we have an extension campus today. (laughs) It's called Mount Zion Church. About an hour west of us, John Felice Hauser has been their interim pastor for over two years now. But you know what? They bring, they bring our congregation before that people. They bless us because we're helping to support John and Felice. We're helping to support what's going on out there. They're, they're an extension campus of people that you may never see, but you're helping them by praying for and giving to Sun Grace Music Ministries, whatever you do there. One of the things we're finding about these, this new physics that we're living in, everything's interconnected. You're not, you never function alone. Every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. There's some kind of reaction to everything you do. Every prayer you pray, every dollar you give, something happens through that. And you're a part of the harvest that comes too through whatever you do. Hallelujah. So helping others to experience the transforming love and mercy of God is a clear sign that the kingdom of God is working through you. And you may never see a deaf ear unstopped or a blind eye open. But you have the same impact in touching a life through every prayer you pray, through every dollar you give, through every act of kindness you perform has the same impact in the kingdom. Because some people need more than just a healed limb. They need a healed heart. They need a transformed life. Oh boy, something's happening here. So when you have this kingdom power and authority working through you, not only do you have open ears now and open eyes, you begin to hear differently and see differently, but now you have this joy that floods your soul in giving and serving others. You really are fueled. Your your fire is fueled by helping other people. Do you know if you give yourself to others, you'll live healthier and longer than people who are just self-absorbed? That's a proven scientific medical fact. That's why the gathering of the saints is so important. 
because we get this synergy. We get this life of the Spirit working in us. And we're motivated to go out beyond these walls into this week and just be an agent of Jesus in whatever way he shows us and tells us. And anytime we do something in his name, he's releasing his presence and life through us. And he floods our heart with joy. It truly is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, the world doesn't know that. They think we're crazy because they want everything for themselves. But ought to give to somebody. What joy did you get to see somebody open a gift you gave them for Christmas? As simple as that act of kindness was or act of love. So we have this joy now in our heart. Our heart's been changed. And we now have this desire to serve others and to help others. We see this in Acts 4. It said all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. What kind of a life transformation is this? It's not my house and my car now. It's our house and our car. Boy, that's an affront to selfish Americans, isn't it? They shared everything they had. And there was no needy person among them. Now, by this time, they weren't just 120 people. They had grown to thousands. And they were supporting one another. They weren't looking to the government welfare. They were the extension of the heart to one another of Jesus. And they shared everything they had with one another. Boy, we'd have to have a massive revival if that ever happened, wouldn't we? My God, God would have to kill a bunch of us, kill that old self in us, kill that old man in us for that to happen, wouldn't it? Do it, God. Start with me. Kill me. That I become more generous with what I have and more willing to share with what you've given me. Even those that had land and houses sold them and brought the money to the apostles to help take care of the needs of the people. What a powerful expression of the kingdom of God. Not because somebody was miraculously healed, but somebody who had a need found that others met that need to help them through that tough time. That's an expression of the kingdom. Paul picked up on this theme when he taught the people in Corinth the the key to kingdom living and giving. Here's the key to the New Testament way to think about giving and living. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a small crop. But one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You want to be on the good side of God, cheerfully give whatever you give. Do it with joy. Oh, he smiles at you, and he pours out abundant blessings upon you. God will generously provide all you need when you give to others. And then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See, in the kingdom of God, there's no diminishing returns You never lose anything you give to God. It's multiplied back to you in some way. That's the way God's kingdom works. Start with one seed and get a tree full of apples with 
Hundreds of seeds. That's the way the kingdom of God is to function. That's the way we're to live and give in the new covenant. Cheerful, obedient giving is a clear sign of the kingdom power of God working within your life. I remember growing up, you know, they had buffalo nickels. They used to say, if that buffalo squeals every time you take it to give, you aren't giving cheerfully. (laughs) You got to wrestle it out of your hand. (laughs) I know we don't have that heart here. We proved it over and over again. We proved it over and over again. And that's why I'm confident you're going to live an abundant, prosperous, blessed life in 2023. Regardless of what you face, God has already met your need. And if you keep sowing and giving, he'll continue to pour out upon your life. That's his own word. That's his own promises. You know, Abraham is our spiritual father of the faith. He's called our father of faith. He was the first man that God made covenant with in the context of the expression of functioning in the faith of God in the earth. Now, I know Noah built the ark. But in the context of establishing a relationship with individuals and people called Israel in the Old Testament and called the church in the New Testament, Abraham is the forerunner. And the father always sets the standard. The father always shows the way. And so one day, his nephew Lot was taken captive. And so Abraham goes and rescues Lot and his family, and gets back not only everything Lot owned, but he took all the spoils of those enemy kings with him and came back rejoicing that God had saved him and his nephew Lot and family and flocks. And then King Melchizedek comes, the prince of Salem. He comes, and what does Abraham do? The Bible says Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek. What is a tithe? That's a tenth. He gave a tenth of everything that he had gained to Melchizedek as a thank offering because he had saved his nephew Lot. He had prospered and blessed them, kept them safe, brought down their enemies, and elevated them in victory. He gave a tithe. The first time we have tithe mentioned in the Bible. And it was a free will offering of thanksgiving. The law had not been established yet. Here's the point, friend. Tithing and giving is not an issue of the law. It's an issue of the heart of men. We don't give now because God commands us to give. We give because we're so thankful for his generosity. We're just glad to give. Well, that's a hearty amen, isn't it? He gave out of the goodness of his heart. He didn't have to wait on the law. I think God established the principle in the law because Abraham set the standard in his own heart. So when he did set the law for the Old Testament church, Israel, he said, bring a tenth of everything that comes to you. Bring a tithe of everything that comes to you. But in the new covenant, it's not a tenth he wants. He wants everything. He owns everything. He purchased it by his redeeming grace on the cross. He saved the whole world and everything that's in the world 
The cattle in a thousand hills, the gold and silver in the hills. Everything God owns, the Bible says. It belongs to the Lord. And so do you because you woke up today. You haven't died yet. He's still working in your life. You belong to him, friend. You don't belong to yourself. And he takes care of what's his. He takes care of everything given to him. So when you wake up and give yourself to the Lord every day, he walks with you, talks with you, directs you throughout your day. He goes ahead of you and sets you up for victory. He works in every area of your life. Even before you get there, he's waiting on you when you get there. He has it all set up. Everything you have is his. So you're joyful and cheerful to do whatever you need to do with whatever you have. Knowing that it's his and you're giving it to him in glory to his name. And then he sets the standard. So reap. Give, it will be given back unto you. Now look at the authority he places in you in this new covenant way of giving and living. You determine the amount of your blessing. You determine the level of your living You determine it. It's up to you. Paul said you determine in your own heart what you're going to do, what you're going to give. But the principle is always the same. You only reap off of what you sow. If you sow little, you only get little back. If you sow much, you get much back. So you determine what level do you want to live in in 2023. I know I'm touching some selfish hearts today because there's a whole lot of people that have struggled with giving. It's because your heart's still not touched by God. You don't have the kingdom heart of God in you yet. This is the truth. When Annie and I got born again, that day that we accepted Christ as our Savior, nobody wrote us a rule book on how to live as a Christian. We didn't really know everything. I, I, as a kid, I went to church a little bit, but I didn't, know, I didn't know hardly anything. But something innate within us, when we sat down with our checkbook, and I got paid that next week, the first check we wrote was to God. Nobody told me I had to do it. Nobody told me that's what God demanded because neither one of those statements are true. It was I had a heart. I was so thankful he had changed my life. And I knew that if I honored him, he would take care of my family. And we learned to give to God first all these years and still do. And he has taken care. Well, you can tell he takes care of me. He takes care of us. Never missed a meal, never never had a bill go unpaid. Sometimes we eat only eggs for a week in Bartlesville. We learned how to fix eggs in a lot of different ways. But you know what? We thank God for every egg we broke and every egg we ate. Because God prospered us. And that's a personal testimony, friend. But I'm telling you, God wants his church back. And to get his church back, he must get your heart. He must have your heart. If he has you, he has to have your heart. And if he doesn't have your heart, he doesn't have you. You're still living for yourself. It's pretty blunt, pretty bold, but I'm here to redeem you. I'm here to help save you. I'm here to help tell you the truth. 
And what's coming down the pike, friend, we better be in his camp. We better be under his covenant covering. We better be living and walking and trusting in him for what's coming yet in America. And if you rely upon yourself, you're going to be left wanting. That's the truth. But if we trust in him, he'll meet every need according to his riches in glory. So give a little, reap a little. Give a lot, reap a lot. That's the heart they had. That's the way they lived. And you know what? Within 30 years, they had turned their world upside down because of the love. The statement of the Roman Empire over the Christians was, look how they love. Look how they love. Look how they love. And it was expressed to other people. Not just arbitrarily before God. They demonstrated it through caring for people and helping people and loving people. And that was the testimony of the Roman church. Look how those Christians love. And then thirdly, lastly, there's many expressions to the kingdom, but these really impacted me as I look back at that initial group that was filled with his kingdom power. Not only did they have eyes to see and ears to hear and their heart was open to give whatever was necessary to meet the need, but they also had this desire to love one another, to enter into communities we would call small groups. They just wanted to be together. Now, that's an oddity in America, isn't it? Because some of you are going to leave this building. You may go with somebody to eat lunch, but then you're going to go home. You're going to lock your car in a garage. You're going to lock yourself in a house. You're going to isolate and insulate from neighbors and friends and whatever, and maybe you'll come out, you'll have to come out to go to a job tomorrow, but some of you will go to that job and won't really be concerned about anybody that's there, and Lord, let me hear something or see something if I can help somebody. That will be the furthest from your mind. You're just self-absorbed. We're just insulated and isolated like, you know, this cocoon that we create to live in, and we live isolated and insulated. And I know part of it is a cultural thing inbred in us. You know, we're Americans. We're self-made people. We're going to conquer the West. We're going to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. Nobody's going to stop me. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to get whatever I want. That's a good heart to have to a point. But if it overwhelms you and consumes you, you become selfish and you don't care about anybody. And you don't open your heart and life to other people. So that's why getting together with others outside even of this context, though it's important here too. It's so important. And look at what it says. All the believers met together in Acts 2, 4, 44 through 47. They all met together in one place. That's what we're doing here. And they shared everything they have. When you, go, when you give tithes and offerings, yeah, when you give tithes and offerings today, you place it in that bucket, you're releasing the kingdom of God through you. When you go up to somebody in this house and you... Speak to them and smile at them and offer some kind of expression of God's love to them. You're extending the kingdom of God through you. You pray for somebody. You encourage somebody. You're extending the kingdom of God through you. That's why you exist. That's your purpose and my purpose. And they did it together. They sold property, possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple. It's important to be together in the house of worship like you are here today. 
And I know some can't be here, some of you are online, but the Lord is with you. Open your heart to the community of faith that's even online with you today. You know, one of the good things about Facebook is you can't communicate blessing to people. Yeah, I just received one today from a, a pastor friend who's relocated back to Atlanta, Georgia, and was thanking me for the impact I'd had on, had on her life. And I got to send a blessing back to her and a happy new year and a blessing and a word from God for her today. I extended the kingdom of God in Atlanta today through that, through that uh, message, through that text. There's a lot of ways, friend, that we can be an expression of the kingdom of God to people, but we need to be open to any opportunity we can have to touch people's lives. Worshiping together. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Wow. All the while praising God. Everything came under the umbrella of praising God. It was an expression of the witness of God. And you know what? They found favor with people in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and wherever they went. Historians say wherever the Christians went, in whatever town, they became the majority in that town. How did they do it? They extended the kingdom of God. They healed the sick. They met the needs. They fed the hungry. They loved the unlovable. They cared for the castaway. They showed Jesus. And it was so attractive. People came to faith in Christ because of the expression that they offered as a witness to Jesus' kingdom and power that was working in them. So, friend, as we move into 2023... I just want to encourage us. Let's make a renewed covenant, a renewed commitment, a, a renewed determination within our heart to say, Lord, more than ever before, I want eyes to see and ears to hear. I don't want to live in isolationism. I want to live in community. I want the joy of serving and caring and helping and giving to people. And to meet needs. Lord, connect me with others that I can increase their life and they can increase my life. I won't take advantage of opportunities. One of the best ones, Johnny mentioned it earlier, is this Radical Life Transformation Group. We're going to begin here the 24th of January, I believe. Sign up, get involved with it. We're going to do it together. Gonna be around tables. This is gonna be a communal thing. Gonna be some directives and some interactive things. Gonna, we're gonna learn how to care and share with one another. Oh, what a glorious thing it would do for us to become a loving, sharing community, even more than what we are right now. Hallelujah. And then other opportunities that come your way. Why? Because what we find when we find Jesus is the power and presence of the Lord that he wants to release through our life every day. And all we have to do is say, Lord, here I am. Show me and tell me. I've been watching The Chosen the, uh, the third year. I don't know how many has gotten into that yet. I was watching an interesting uh, segment yesterday. 
And Jesus is meeting with the 12. And he's, he's telling them now, they've seen him work miracles and they were just giving witness to him. But he said, now I'm going to send you out two by two and I'm giving you authority to do what I did. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to do what you've seen me do. And they're sitting there with this bewildered look on their face. And the response was, are, are we going to be different than we are right now in order to do that? Am I going to feel something that I don't feel right now in order to do that? And Jesus said, no. That's nothing to do with feeling. That's everything to do with faith. You're doing it because I've told you to do it. And because I've told you to do it, I've given you authority to do it. And when you do it with my authority, you'll get the same results I got. And you can see them wrestling with their humanity versus the divine call of God upon their life. And having to make a decision to trust the words of the master that if I go out in his name and in his name do what he said to do, he'd do what he said he would do. Or am I going to be withholding to myself and fearful and afraid and withhold myself from the commission to change the world? Friend, he's given us the same commission to go out and be world changers. Not because we feel something, not because we are somebody, simply because his life has been given to us through the Holy Spirit that he just wants to touch people, help people, encourage people around us. How many says, Lord, in 2023, I want to be more engaged with you and being an instrument of your, of your spirit, of your life, of your love, Lord, I just want 2023 to be so much greater than it's ever been in the way that I've trusted you and relied upon you and offered myself to you. How many says I want 2023 to be a year where I offer my whole heart, my, my whole life to God? If you have that, just go ahead.